Hi, my name is Queen Zoraya Counts, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Evil Lives Amongst Us, African American True Crime. Yes, I love true crime stories, but very seldom do I hear true crime stories about African Americans. So I created this podcast to share with my listeners about the crimes that African Americans commit. So sit back, lend me your ears, and listen to some of the most horrendous crimes committed by My name is Queen Zoya Counts, and on this episode, I want to talk to you about something that is really dear to my heart, okay? I want to talk to you about the voodoo murders of Clementine Barnabet. They say that Clementine Barnabet was the First, the very first African-American serial killer. They say that she killed 35 people. And she did it because of voodoo. Hmm. Why is it that voodoo always got to get such a fucking bad name? Like, why? 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 But anyway, they are saying that Clementine Barnapet practiced voodoo and that she committed these crimes, that she was a voodoo priestess and she belonged to this church called the church of sacrifice which was said to butcher its victims as part of their strange rites and it was saying that they basically focused on several men like they killed men you know like like I'm not even going to say that they killed men. They killed men in their families. But because of the fact that the murders were so brutal. Because the families were killed by an axe from Louisiana to Texas. And this was in the early 1900s. They were thinking that it was done by men. But it turned out to be an African-American woman named Clementine Barnabet. And they're saying that she may not have had no connection to voodoo at all. But she confessed to killing the 35 people. Hmm. So let's get into um, a little bit about her life. Clementine Barnapet 
First of all, she is thought to be the first black female serial killer in United States history. According to one serial killing a podcast that posted this on YouTube. They say that she was born in 1894 in St. Martinville, Louisiana to Nina Porter and Raymond Barnabat. Her father was a petty thief and a sharecropper with a violent temper who was very unfaithful to his wife and he was abusive to his entire family, which also included a son, Sepharin. They moved to Lafayette, Louisiana in 1909 and lived in a rundown part of town. Now, how she got to be in the church of sacrifice was that the family was involved in the church themselves. And they said that it was an equal opportunity cult church. It had an equal number of male and female members. And their belief of the church was that it was possible to obtain riches and other possessions by human sacrifice. They said that Clementine was rumored to have become a leader within the cult at the age of 17. Can you imagine at the age of 17? Age of 17. Wow. Wow. And they were saying that there was a minimum of 12 African-American families who were murdered in their homes. And that the first family identified was connected to the case was that of a woman named Edna and her three children who were murdered in Rain, Louisiana in 1909. And they also note that the first family identified as part of the murders in 1911 was that of Walter J. Byers, his wife and their child who lived in Crowley, Louisiana. And it was determined that someone had came in through the window and killed the family as they slept. But there was no other clues that was there. Then like three weeks later and 30 miles away in Lafayette, a killer took the lives of Alexander, Mimi, Joachim, and Agnes while they were asleep. But this time, the murder weapon, an axe, they left it on the floor. Mm, 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 mm. And there were similarities between these murders. So you know... Back then, they, you, they didn't have no fingerprints, okay? Well, no fingerprints back then. A month later, Alfred and Elizabeth were murdered along with their three children in the same manner. Then authorities started suspecting and investigating Raymond, the dad. He was arrested based on evidence from a woman that he was sleeping with named Diana, dirty Diana, told a friend some frightening things about the axe murders that led the friend to believe that Raymond was the murderer. The friend passed this information on to the police, which led to Raymond's arrest. You see that? See, see, you know, y'all be sleeping around with these people and having this little bedroom talk. 
Y'all need to keep your mouth shut. But Raymond and Dirty Diana denied the friend's story. So the officers and, you know, they, they, they got frustrated, you know. And, and they went and started questioning his wife, Nina, and the children, Clementine and Zephyrin. And all three of them had no anxiety about implicating Raymond as the axe man. And during Raymond's trial in October of 1911, he didn't take the stand. He sat behind the defense table, muttering goodbye. And he was saying, Mofatu, Mofatu. I am gone loud enough for the jury to hear. But when Clementine took the stand to testify against her father, she swore that he came home the night of the murders with his blue shirt covered in blood and brains. She said her father bragged that he killed the whole family that night and told Clementine to wash the blood out his clothes, which she did. And Zephyrin backed up his sister's story. Nina denied seeing any bloody clothes, but testified that Raymond had threatened to kill her a month before. Raymond was found guilty and he was sentenced to death by hanging. Mm. So now he's sitting up in jail because he ran off at the mouth. Children done testified against him. Okay. But while he's sitting up in there, another horrific murder takes place in Lafayette, Louisiana on November 26, 1911. Norbert was shot in the head and killed while his wife and three children were attacked and killed with an axe. Lafayette Parish Police, I mean Sheriff Louise Lacoste, became suspicious of Clementine and Zephyrin Barnabat due to their bad reputations, and their neighbors described them as being filthy, shifty, degenerate. He arrested them both. Ain't that some shit? So when the sheriff, they go and they search the Barnabat house, they found a complete suit of women's clothes in Clementine's room and it was saturated with blood and it was covered with human brains as well as blood on the door latch. But the brother had an alibi for the night of the Randolph murders. Clementine did not. And she was taken to jail as both the daddy and the daughter sat Behind bars, guess what happened? The axe murders continued. They kept going on and on and on. So, mother and daughter in jail. Killings still going on. Still happening. But... The killings that was taking place now, the killers were leaving messages on the wall. And they were leaving messages like Human 5. 
And then they started getting a nickname called the Human Five Gang. And then there were stories saying that they practice voodoo. And then they were posting pictures in the newspaper saying that voodoo horrors break out again. They had pictures and there was rumors circulating that Clementine was the leader of the cult called the Church of Sacrifice. And they were saying that they were using these axes to kill these people because they were sacrificing these people for wealth, for power. So on April 5th, 1912, Clementine, she made a full confession admitting to 17 murders. She also claimed that she had bought a voodoo charm meant protect her while committing her crimes and that she and her accomplices drew lots to see who would commit the murders she said that they were all over the place and her story was very inconsistent because not only had she already implicated her father in the crimes but when she named her accomplices where was the people they were nowhere to be found. And despite suspicions as to whether or not her story was true, they filed charges against Clementine on April 14, 1912. And then she went on and said, okay, I killed 35 people. But despite her retelling her story with different facts, None of them was true. She stood trial. The attorneys tried to defend her by saying that she was crazy. She was declared guilty. She was sentenced to life. She was only 19 years old. 19. July 31st, 1913. She tried to escape. Some say she was a model prisoner. She did serve 10 years. And then she was released. They said they did try to use a process to cure her. But they don't know whether or not they had used a lobotomy. Because you know lobotomies were not performed until 10 years later during that time. And they were saying that um, she was the only person who was ever punished for any of the axe murders mentioned. And they did say that it was very unclear. Like a lot of things that she said, it was really unclear about whether or not she had committed um, those murders. Whether or not she had, you know, what she, had she done all of them whatever but it was still unclear okay you know she just went back and forth with a lot of things who knows was she playing the people was she was she crazy no one knows what was going on but she did confess and and just by her confessing they blamed her okay 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 remember back then during that time there was actually um no i'm gonna say there was no they didn't have any forensics. They didn't check fingerprints. They didn't do any of that. So if they did, 
They, if, if she had committed the murders and the crimes, they probably would have picked her fingerprints off of the axes. There was blood all over the place. So they could have gotten her finger, finger, her father's fingerprints and other people's fingerprints, you know, from around the house and stuff like that. But, you know, back then there was no forensics. So, you know, before the religion known as voodoo, voodoo, or voodoo, it was the name for the ancestral customs and the beliefs of West Africa. And, it, and it's closely associated with the fond people of benign. And it talks about spiritual possession, ecstatic worship. Um, and, and people believe that it's nothing less than devil worship. And that's what the first Europeans who encountered it believed it to be. And so the first Europeans, Francophone and Lucifone, um, Voodoo, um, um, who viewed it, the first Europeans who viewed it, Francophone and Lucifone Voodoo, which is practiced in places like Haiti, Louisiana, and Brazil, it contained a lot of Roman Catholic elements, but they all called it devil worship. And it professes a veneration of Jesus and Mother Mary. And they say voodoo is just is, is still a byword for diabolism. This is what they say. And they were saying that, um, you know, during the 20th century back then, voodoo was, was um, synonymous with deepest, darkest Africa and her descendants in the United States and the West Indies. And whenever strange killings occurred in New Orleans or the swamps of Florida or tech, even Texas, it was common to put the blame of voodoo there. And this was especially true is when the victims and the perpetrators were black. So between 1911 and 1912, voodoo was cited as the root cause for a string of terrible axe murders in Louisiana and Texas. And so they said that the killer, caller of voodoo priestess Clementine, and she managed to escape into the bayou. Um, they say that um, that it's a legend that she got. You know, she hung. There's so many different legends about her. And they're saying that, um, was it a murderous voodoo cult? What was it? So the first murder, which happened February 11th, 1911, when they found the bodies of Byers, his wife and their young son, young son, they were found at the back of the house and it was located in the color quarter of the city, colored, colored, colored. When I read the article colored, you know what that means. They, that black, they said, the people said, okay, it has to be black. The person has to be black because it happened in the color quarter of the city. And um, they were saying that bloodletting, they call it bloodletting. And they were saying that bloodletting wasn't unusual in Crawley, especially on the colored side of town. But the family had been brained with an axe, which means that, you know, their head had been split open and their brains were splattered all over the house. Okay. Two weeks later, another family found in the kitchen. The sister, brother-in-law 
murdered, found, wife, found, same thing, axe. But this time, axe was found at the foot of the bed. Newspaper article put it out again. Brained with an axe. Um, but what happened four days after that, they said that when another family was killed, they put the person that had died like as if they was praying. After they killed them, they put them down like they had been praying. But then the sheriff has suspected that the murder of that particular family was also the killer of the other family. And they said that it could have been an escaped lunatic named Garcon Godfrey. And then they moved on to, they left Louisiana. They moved on to Texas, March 22nd, 1911. A man and his three children, they were found bludgeoned to death with an axe again. San Antonio, Texas. Um, they were saying that as similar as the murder of those families seemed to be, what happened was that this was a mixed race couple and they were saying that the reason why they could have been killed with the axes was because they were a mixed race so could could someone had murdered them murdered them with an axe to make it because they it was a black and white couple that was married in texas and they were mixed and because clementine and Raymond, her dad or whatever, had gotten, you know, they were talking about this case in Louisiana, decided to do a copycat and blame it on them. Who knows? And, you know, they try to say, oh, it was them because, of course, it was voodoo. And Raymond confessed to committing murders like he confessed to his mistress of committing the murders so a lot of stuff doesn't add up like he's confessing to committing the murders now maybe he did murder a family i'm not going to say he didn't do a murder but maybe he did commit a crime but i don't think he didn't commit all the other crimes because while he was locked up other people were still dying his children testified against him he committed to doing this crime but other crimes kept happening so were they copying their dad did it fascinate them were they fascinated by what happened who knows but he was locked up so how could he have committed the other murders and they just kept happening same mo axe murders same thing so when the murders kept happening and it would happen while the people were sleeping of course the town of lafayette these people were scared like scared to fucking death i mean they were going to church good hope baptist church they were sleeping with weapons they didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like, what is going on? So they started looking at other members of the Barnabet family. Like, these people, we think the whole family, something is going on with the whole family. 
And then when they go back and search the family's house, this is a 17 year old. They didn't classify her as a 17 year old girl back then. She was classified as a 17 year old woman. Hell, you could get married when you was 12. So she was classified as a 17 year old woman. And they found blood on her clothes, blood on her door, everything. So she gets arrested. And like I said, while she's arrested, more murders happen. There, these people are writing messages. They're um, writing, taking biblical quotations. Psalms 9 and 12 of the King James Bible. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Now, you see how people can take certain scriptures from the Bible to commit their crimes. So, they were saying that a part of voodoo, as they're making these human sacrifices, that the sacrifice, when you are sacrificing blood... God does not forget the cry of the poor, the humble, and he off and he gives you blessings. And actually this quotation was taken from Uncle Tom's cabin, but it had been misquoted. Right? So next you have this group coming up. So then there's a and it's really crazy because when I was researching this, I found this article, and it's a and it shows a picture of her, and it says Clementine Barnabet Voodoo Murderess, and it says Negress Slayer Indicted. <laughs> Clementine Barnabet Mulatto, the self-confessed slayer of seventeen Negroes, isn't that something? It's, it's really funny how times have changed. And it says that despite her being behind bars, she confessed. And um, from 1911 to 1912 to 35 people. But she had confessed to 17 of these victims were reportedly murdered by Clementine herself. So she was examined by several doctors, most of whom deduced that she was okay. Um, she was sent to the Angola State Penitentiary near the, near the Louisiana State Capitol. She tried to escape, as I stated before. Um, whatever reason, the escape attempt was forgotten. And, she, and then they gave her a job of cane cutter, which means that they gave her a job of working outside cutting sugar cane. And then five years after that, on August 28, 1923, she was allowed to leave Angola due to years of good behavior. Now, what remains a mystery until just a few years ago, according to an internet user named Voodoo Gal, she said that she visited her 103-year-old great-grandmother in 1985. And she said during that visit, the pair were joined by another woman who told them all a story about a forgotten string of voodoo murders that same year after the mysterious storyteller died. Voodoo gal 
and other attendees at the funeral noticed that a youthful picture of the woman matched newspaper photographs of serial killer Clementine Barnabet. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So, like, even several years later, 1942, the, the gang, the church, um, getting into the Church of Sacrifice. As part of her confession, Clementine claimed that she belonged to a secret cult known as the Church of Sacrifice. It had the Human Five Gang. Um, it was an evangelic church headed by a man named King Harrison. The church could be found all along the Southern Pacific Railroad. And according to Clementine's confession, Harrison encouraged his congregation to use lethal discipline against any wayward members. So if members tried to leave the church, they were ordered to kill them. And on top of all this, Clementine also told Louisiana authorities that she was a voodoo sorceress who enjoyed supernatural protection from punishment. And some people even said that Clementine was a pervert because she would caress the corpses after she killed them. But they believe that most of the murders Clementine admitted to were just copycat crimes. Yeah. And they had already suggested that a lot of these murders she didn't commit they were committed by other people but tragically after her story circulated around the southeast many white citizens began to suspect that their black neighbors belonged to the murderous sacrifice church and this belief led to a handful of violent encounters and false arrests. So you see how this unfolded. So you see how this unfolded, right? So how this unfolded was that the white people with their Black neighbors began to, you know, there was already racism. It was already, you know, during that time, you know, where, where they were living and what, however, whatever was going on. They were becoming afraid of the black people and what they were um, doing they were they would say that the um black people belong to this church and so they were arresting these people and they were doing false arrest and they were ha either hanging them or killing them because of what happened with clementine and that's really horrible because people died and were falsely accused of things that they 
did not do. Period. And um, as history goes on, it says that it is now known that she was not the only one who committed these crimes because, you know, the axe murders continued even after she was thrown in jail. And it is also saying that eventually the family killings died out, but the identity of the remaining group members may never, may never be discovered. So she was able to tell her story according to the woman named Voodoo Gal um, in 1985 when she died and a picture of her and a picture that they had of her when she was younger looked like her. So they imagined that that was Clementine and her name was Clementine Barnabet. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Evil lives amongst us. True crimes of African Americans. Peace.